Are you following a plant-based diet? Would you say you're pretty health literate? This episode was brought to you in partnership with Health IQ, an insurance agency dedicated to rewarding the investments you make in your healthy lifestyle. Support the show and see how much your high health literacy can save you by getting a quote at healthiq.com slash no meat. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. So Matt, I think I shared a couple of weeks ago about how I was inspired by uh, Derek from Derek and Hannah from yes. High Carb Hannah about uh-huh. uh, their rain, bell, rain barrel system, rain yes. barrel water collection, rain water collection system, uh-huh. and and how I it inspired me to like set some stuff up on our on the on my office here and get you know be collecting some water with dreams of doing more stuff with that with that water, but. Um, Right now, what I've found is that the smallest amount of rain will, is producing so much water. Like, I don't know if my roof is just bigger than I thought it was, but, like, we get drizzles for, like, an hour, and then half the barrel is full. And so I just keep adding more and more barrels to the system, and it gets more and more complicated because I'm like, I can't miss any water. I can't miss any water. Wow. And Katie's like, you're not doing anything with the water because right now we don't have anything to water. Like the garden, <laughs> right, we can't use right. it in the garden, right? There's plenty, the ground is like way oversaturated because we've had so much rain from the last few months. So there's really no point in me, in me collecting this water. <laughs> it's just getting more and more complicated. And it's just become this bigger project, but I don't know. <laughs> so I feel like, like the, I've like uh, gone down a rabbit hole. It's the here. collect them all syndrome, right? You just, you just have to... Yeah, just gotta get all of the water, I, right? I can't yeah. waste any water. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that just, makes me want to go into the water business. Sounds like you could just I know collect water. And I had that same it. thought. Yeah, we could like bottle up some Nomi Athlete water, purify it. That'd be perfect. Yeah, Deep straight from Nomi Athletes' second headquarters. Co-host. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the your stamp on it. Yeah, good old mountain rainwater. Perfect. <laughs> love it. It, it's love been it. i don't know it's just one of those things that like i don't know how i how i how i like started down this path and now i can't seem to like, crawl my way out of it and, yeah. like you know every couple of weeks we get a deep freeze and all of them get frozen and uh i don't know it's just been kind of funny yeah that reminds i don't i don't have any examples but that reminds me just completely i know that feeling of like you just you just gotta collect it all and you can't even if you don't know what you're gonna do with it you can't let it go to waste because it's it seemed so valuable a few days ago when you were when you were right, right, exactly <laughs> yeah yes exactly that's funny good i'm glad to hear that's working out for it so you didn't you you didn't run set it up into your house yet right as, as the showers and toilets and all that no no that and that's that a, a possibility yeah the hope is to use it at least for toilets um in the in our in the office which is detached from the house and right now there's um there's no water running out to it so we and there's no bathroom actually so that's all like phase two of the remodeling phase mm-hmm. um and the the idea that i had a couple weeks ago was to use the rainwater for that and now all of a sudden i have all this rainwater so if you want me to ship it any to you for your toilets we can probably set that no, up i don't think i need to do that but <laughs> why don't you get like a like an above ground pool there those are classy nice oh, yeah yeah that would be cool cheap just fill it up with warm water don't you know eliza would love it i'm sure she would (laughs) yeah just fill it with rain water no heat no chlorine good well i'd like to hear that doug seems like your your type of good activity (laughs) the environment and all that so i'm glad glad to hear you found something good (laughs) (laughs) 
Good. All right. All right. Anything else, Doug? Any new news report? I've been running more. Did I tell you that? Did I tell you I have done a long run? It was that your six mile run? No, you seven. Did? did it seven and a half? Seven, miles. seven and a half. Okay, great. Yeah. That's big. That's good. Big. And I felt yeah. surprisingly good at it. I'm actually. I have a. I even have a surprise race I'm thinking about running that I'm not going to tell anybody about. Ooh, surprise race. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But anyway, I'm back to running. Feels good. Uh, I get bored during it for sure, which actually we're go- I think we're going to address a bunch of questions today, and that is one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're going to address a bunch of questions. I think we're going to pick that one um, because, yeah, I still that's that's my biggest thing. I don't get tired, really. I mean, I get tired if I'm doing workouts, but like as far as long runs go, I could go for a pretty long time, I think, even now without having been doing them. Uh, except for the fact that my head just starts to, I get it in my head and I'm like, I gotta be done running now. I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> so that's my big, uh, hang up right now, but I'm going to do a 10 miler probably this weekend Sweet. and, uh, you know, load up the old, the old, uh, what do people use to listen to MP3s these days, Doug? iPhones? iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need to get, I need a smaller, I need the, I need the old iPod Nano to be back. Yeah, the Nano's gone. I think the All Shuffle right. still exists. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. That. Uh-huh. Good. Yeah. I'm looking at that. I didn't actually know they still existed. But I don't like packing up the whole iPhone in a, in a belt or on your arm or anything like that. That just seems mm-hmm. to me too much. RoboCop. Kind of. I don't like that. Yeah, man. But you got to get those snaps. Got to get those Insta snaps. I don't know what that means. A photo. You got to take a cool oh. photo. Oh, like of myself? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure. How else people are gonna know that you did that? <laughs> You're right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, what we're going to do today is talk talk running, talk marathon specifically. Yes. So we we actually asked our audience, and there, there's a reason for this. We are uh, no no tricks here. We we're not trying to hide anything. We uh, we relaunched, remade, and are relaunching this week this weekend uh, the marathon roadmap program, which is what I wrote back in 2011, I think. And uh, it was like the first, Nomad Athlete's first like big product thing. And it's actually what started allowing Nomad Athlete to become a real business and something that I could do as my main thing. So it has special meaning for me, but it's also helped a whole lot of people run marathons and given them confidence to do it on a plant-based diet. Um, but anyway, we have, we've kind of like revamped and updated it several times. So this is the version 3.0, which includes tons of new stuff. Uh, we can tell you about it at the end, but if you do want to check it out, it's at nomadathlete.com slash roadmap. Anyway, in the process of... of you know, promoting and talking about this new thing we're doing, we asked people to send in all their questions that they had about marathon running. And, and specifically the ones that kind of give them trouble and make them think that it just seems like I can't run a marathon because it, I have this fear or this thing going on. Um, so anyway, we got a ton of responses about those and answered a few of them by email, but figured we could we could really knock a bunch more out by doing it on the podcast. Uh, so anyway, I, we'll pick the ones that I think are sort of seem fairly universally applicable or at least fairly common um mm-hmm. and we'll just kind of we'll just kind of run through and knock them out which i like i feel i feel like we have a lot of running between us these days Doug. i wrote that in the email that we have i think i just kind of guessed the numbers but i said 20 ultras and 15 marathons between us which i'm i think we're probably around there right yeah we might even be more than that maybe maybe more i was i tried to be conservative yeah. so anyway we've done it a whole lot of times neither of us is a is an elite level runner but we have uh Certainly figured out how to train for and run uh, a lot of different distances. So I'm looking forward to dropping some knowledge bombs. And dropping those knowledge bombs. And we should say that <laughs> it wasn't just the two of us that revamped the Marathon Roadmap. We had oh yeah, uh, 
a nutritionist on that's part of the team, Will, and you know, and he's a big runner. He's a big road. He's he's fast. I don't know if you know this. Will's fast. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he runs. He runs really well. Wow. Um, and uh, and Esther, who's run several marathons, helped out. So and we had we had quite a bit of uh, teamwork making mm-hmm. the dream work here with the three True, and our, our whole team is uh, marathoners or or more, aren't they? I didn't really realize that. Yeah, I think so. That's a requirement of the job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's like yeah, because because Andrew Andrew contributed quite a bit here, or you know, with the editing stuff, and he's a he's a big ultra runner. Mm-hmm. That's true. Never thought about it. We need to have it? like a hell week for if you're joining the team, you need to survive <laughs> some sort of crazy challenge that we do. I like it. That's yeah. that's exactly my kind of thing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Well, enough fooling around. Let's get to some questions here. Why don't um, we Why don't we tackle time as the first one? Because that was there. Yeah. There, there so are time two. We did, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> there were two really big themes that like kept popping up. Yes. And and the, we addressed both of them in the email, but uh, time was a really big one. So yeah, these are huge ones. These these are the things I think that ninety percent of people who want to run a marathon but won't do it or haven't done it. Uh, I think these are the, the they would have one of these two or both complaints. Or, or objections or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Trisha summarized things well with her. She wrote, Hi, my biggest concern is time. Not sure I have the time to commit to such a big goal. It drives me nuts to hear people say you have time for what you prioritize because it's not completely true. I'm a working mom that tries to stay fairly involved with my two young kids' lives, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if she tries to squeeze every bit of productivity from a 24-hour period, I don't have the ability to do this consistently at that sort of level. So good question. I think a lot of people have that question. The obvious one is just is prioritize this over over being involved in your kids' lives. <laughs> just, right. So it is a priority. Quit priority your job. Issue. Quit your kids. Right. You have yeah. time. You have time for anything you want. You just just gotta mm-hmm. make those choices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So more seriously, let's assume that job and children are not uh, things you can you can really shift around or or eliminate or delegate. Um. So how do you how do you find time for marathon training? My so this comes up a lot, and and my answer to this is I, I have two two parts of this answer. One of them is that a marathon does not take as much time as I I sense that people think it does, because mm-hmm. most of your runs. I mean, there's the weekend long run, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But other than that, for for training, especially for just a first marathon, not trying to qualify for Boston, not trying to you know set your PR after being a runner for five years and having done a bunch of marathons. That takes more effort. Um, but to get across the finish line of a marathon, most of your weekly runs or your runs during the week, which you'll probably do three to four of before your long run, um, they're three to five miles long. Like They're really just not that long. Three, four miles, maybe later in the program, they might up to five miles on certain days. And you can find some exceptions where you know you'll you'll happen to do a Wednesday night seven mile run on certain programs or something like that. But for the most part, the time you invest in it is like what you would invest in normal healthy exercise, right? Whether it's going to the gym or running in some other for some other purpose than a marathon, um, you know, half an hour a day for four times a week or forty five minutes a day for three or four times a week. I don't know that that to me is like normal fitness. So let's just assume that that is what you should do for normal healthy fitness anyway and then what it takes to run a marathon on top of that is to also do a weekend long run and that long run i don't know it seems like a really big deal but if you think about saturday morning or sunday morning finding 
I'd say on average two hours. At first, it's going to be one hour, or hour and 15 minutes. And then at the end of the end of the program, you're going to be running out there for three or four hours. But I'd say on average, it's probably two hours. Um, that you, you, know, you have to do that. And that's, that's really what the time is. There's a lot of like, I think it feels like more because your whole world gets wrapped up in marathon training. And like on the night before your long run, you're thinking about what you're eating and getting to bed early and all that. But for the, I think that's fun. I don't think, think that's like extra time. That's just because you're interested, you start doing that. So that's the first one. I don't think it takes that much time, assuming you're already doing some general fitness. It just doesn't take that much extra time. Uh, and the other big one I have here is that I think when you start running, especially if you're not like doing any fitness yet, when you are able to add that habit to your life, you get that time back. Again, the weekend long run is kind of different because that will make you tired and you, you know, you'll have to recover from it. But that during the week, if you add 30 to 45 minutes of activity, especially pretty easy running into your routine, um, it really changes the amount of energy you feel otherwise in the day. You'll probably sleep better. You'll probably just feel more energetic and less sluggish. And I have a feeling you will get that time back in in terms of productivity or just energy. So that's that's my answer to the time one. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't take some extra time and effort to run a marathon. Certainly it does. Uh, and that's why we do it because it's it's fun and it feels good to work hard and make some sacrifices to achieve something. Uh, but I just don't think the time is is a, a valid reason. So there is just, you know, I'm sure with kids uh, and with, if you're a working mom with kids and you got a lot to do, um, you need to be creative in how you can get 45 minutes on a four weekend or four weekdays. Uh, that's, you got to find ways to do it. And for some people like to run in the dark, at, in the morning before everyone gets up or they do it in their lunch hour. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, you have to obviously be creative and that's where the prioritization thing comes. Um, if, if work and kids take up all your time and you've got one hour left, the question is, is it worth it to spend that time running? And that's, that's, uh, that is basically the decision about do you want to run a marathon or not? Yeah. Yeah. I think that creative part, especially with kids is, uh, is really important one because I mean, I know that for me, I mean, you, we both have kids, so I mean, like, you know, but I used to be pre-kid. I used to say, oh, come on, just wake up earlier or, you know, you'll find time and it's no problem. Uh, and it does get, it absolutely gets more complicated. And, um, you know, and then if you're leaving, I don't know, after work or something like that for an hour, then, um, or even 45 minutes and like leaving your spouse with the kids or finding daycare or childcare or something like that is, is, is a little bit more complicated, but you can get, you can totally get creative with it. You can do it early in the morning you can do it post bedtime. I run with Eliza a lot behind the stroller. I mean, she's logged hundreds of miles in that stroller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we even do things like we'll run for 20 minutes and then stop at a playground for 20 minutes and then run 20 minutes home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's not, it's not as good. It's not as awesome. And it doesn't serve the same like mental benefit of, as me going out for 40, 40 minutes by myself, but I'm getting it in, you know, and, and that's, if that's the only way I can get it in that day, then, then that's great. I'm happy with that. Yeah. And I do think that for, especially for a first marathon, I, I think it's okay that it's like you're getting it in and it's not this amazing, mm-hmm. you know, relaxing, wonderful experience to go running because for me, that's what marathon training was. Like, it was like, this is really hard or different, uh, to be running the amount of miles that I'm now running and doing and like, and I, you just sort of like treat it like that little hour of your day is like a job and you kind of have to do it. I, I didn't really look to that for like fun. Maybe I'm not a typical runner, but like I just figured that was like the work that you have to do to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you, you'd have to be also pushing a stroller would add to the challenge of it, but I don't think it would make it like would make it totally different. 
Last thing I have to say about this one, this specific example of with kids, um, of course, I get wanting to be fairly involved in your kids' lives. But I think there's this mistake that a ton of parents make, uh, including me very often, of thinking that the best thing you can do for your kids is spend time on your kids. Uh, what my I've talked a lot about running a 100-miler this year, and I don't know if I will or not. Uh, <laughs> I have a good feeling I will run a 50-miler or run a 12-hour race and hope to get around 50. Um, I don't really want to do that. Like I, there are many reasons I don't want to do that. Like I just don't it doesn't seem like it's the most valuable use of my time or fitness. I've done it before, so it's just not that interesting. Um, but one of the huge motivators for me is I want my kids, now that they're old enough, because I ran a 100-miler when they were both alive and my son was three and my daughter was like a couple months, uh, but they don't really remember that. And they didn't see me every day going out and putting in whatever it was, a seven-mile run or the weekend like where you do 21 day and 12 the next day. Mm-hmm. Um I really want them one time to see me do that sort of work, even if the miles are somewhat less. But I just I want them to see that, and I, and I think yes, it's a it's sacrificing my time with them. And you could argue that well, wow, you're choosing that running over time with kids. That must be bad parenting. But like I think having them see a parent do that and like understanding what it means to have something that's so important to you, you're willing to go like make this sacrifice. I think that's super super valuable as a parent for your kids to see that. So. I think you can be involved in your kids' lives in that way, uh, even if it means making some sacrifices about your your direct interaction with them during the marathon training time. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. Uh, yeah, I could yeah. could add more, but I don't know if I need to. I think. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to the injury <laughs> one, Doug. Yeah, injury. So the second theme that just I mean, over and over, I'd say at least a third, if not more, of these. Uh, concerns and questions have to do with injury, and a lot of them are, you know, specific. I, they maybe they have have had a history of, um, you know, Achilles issues or runner's knee or whatever. Um, but I, th- I think this one from Pam is a really good one. I'm just gonna pull a little bit of it because it's a long but a very good question. And um, so she says that she's trained for half marathons twice. She used a Nike plan and um, some other plan, and um, now I can't even find the question, but. <laughs> she uh near the end she felt like everything was falling apart nagging pains running wasn't fun um she couldn't keep her her volleyball schedule which she liked to play as like a as a hobby she just felt like she was always overdoing it and it was bad for her legs and bad for her joints and she just felt like everything was unraveling and she's concerned that if she was to train for a marathon that she would lose all the upper body and kind of general fitness that she has now she's built up now as being a more well-rounded or being you know, going to the gym and getting a well-rounded workout uh, because all she would be doing is running and it would just destroy her legs. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a super common concern. Both the running is going to kill my legs and also I'm going to be totally unfit elsewhere and I won't have time and won't be able to do anything else. Um, and so I think that I'm going to address this, both of those separately because um, what what I think happens more often than we realize is that people decide they want to run a marathon. I think you did this and I certainly did this myself. I decided I wanted to run a marathon. I asked my friend who the only friend I knew who had run a marathon, what training plan he used. And it was one that he had found for free online and he forwarded it to me. And I followed that. Hal Higdon? To the, what's that? Was it Hal Higdon? No, it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was like everybody's online. That was like the first plan ever to be on the internet, I think. Cause everyone did the Hal Higdon plan in the early days, but I guess yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Um, and actually that, that was one that Pam, uh, 
<laughs> oh, she mentioned, is, along, sorry, along I was, with the Nikon. I wasn't listening. I was reading other questions. Well, I, I, I didn't say that because oh, I, okay. I couldn't find the question. I lost the question for okay. a second. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, like, people find these, these plans, and I certainly did. I followed it to the T, to the letter, whatever that saying is. Um, and, and I had all kinds of issues because it was, it was too advanced for me. Like, I, I wasn't a runner. I, you know, the most I was running was three miles at a time. Uh, before training for the marathon and I didn't do any sort of build up. It was just like, I'm jumped into this plan. It was written for no runner in particular. And just, uh, I was trying to apply it to myself and it didn't take anything else into account, like no nutrition stuff, no strength training, no pre and post workout routines, none of that stuff. Um, and I ended up injured. I had, I got runner's knee by the end of it. I was like the day after a long run, I would be hobbling to work every single week. And it just looked absolutely ridiculous and was just, not good for my body. And I think that that is what a lot of people do. And then they have this experience that, oh, I'm just going to, if I'm going to train for a marathon, I'm going to get injured. They might not even make it to the marathon because they make it halfway through and they feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no way am I going to keep doing this. Uh, but that's not the way it has to be, right? So if you were to use a plan that was, that took more into account, that took the base building phase into account, that took recovery days and flexibility so that you could, if you miss a long run because of travel or if you, uh, you know, if you're sick or something like that, then you can you can adjust your plan and uh, make up that time in a in a heart in a smart and healthy way. Um, you know, things like nutrition and recovery and strength training. Like, if you take all those things into account, then you're much much more likely to get through it injury free. I mean, I would say that you're, you know, that, that that is a smart way to train for a marathon, and that is that is how you can do it without getting an injury and chances are you probably won't get an injury because you're doing it the right way. Um, so this idea, this notion that if I train for a marathon, I'm going to get injured is only because people are, are not putting in, are not looking at the whole picture and they're just following some general plan off the internet that they got for free. That is not really written for them. Um, yes. Go ahead. I, I think that it's all true. This is all unfortunate that so many runners get hurt and especially with marathon training. Like I think everyone who does it that way though does get that and i had the same thing i got injured during my first training uh of course and then after that it felt like wow what a, a marathon is going to destroy my body if i try to do that mm-hmm. and that, like only superhuman types can just keep doing marathons it's just that my body's different from theirs and you know i can't do that but i think i agree with you that is not true at all um it, by the way none of this is saying like you need to buy the marathon roadmap plan our plan because no. it has its stuff you just need to like don't you go buy a rock just, plan yes exactly <laughs> uh, just, just don't go get a free plan on the internet and just follow that. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. If somebody puts a whole free guide that includes, you know, the training plan and the and the muscular kind of core component uh, and offers to, like, answer your questions about how you should adjust things when uh, you, if you have to miss a couple of days or whatever. Or if you have a running friend who, like, has done a bunch of stuff and you can get your free plan from the internet and then kind of have them be your coach or hire an actual coach, like mm-hmm. Rocky Runner, uh, you know, then, then you'll be fine. Like you can, you can, there are many ways to do this that don't involve buying our marathon plan. That's not, absolutely that's not the point. And there, and there are plenty of books too, that cover a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah. you know, that, but just, that, sorry, but just, I mean, treat it as more that it's a marathon training program is not just a set of numbers on a page that tells you how far to run. There's so much more to it than that. And you got to get that info from somewhere. Otherwise you very likely will get hurt. Yeah, Exactly. So then the other part of this question, uh, which is another common one, is that, that you're going to lose all your kind of general fitness and only have strong legs. And and I think that that is another misconception for sure, because 
like a well-rounded program will have things like strength training will have things like core and upper body strength built into it or or at least suggest ways you can do that um and and that's you know it's actually in a lot of ways you know while while i firmly believe that if you want to be a better runner you should run more um you know up to up to a point where it's safe um in a lot of ways, doing things like your volleyball and doing things like going to the gym or getting on the bike or whatever is going to actually help prevent those injuries and help keep you uh, a better runner, make you a better runner and not just um, not just a well-rounded, strong person. So, um, you know, I think that, that you don't have to worry about that. If, if you want to continue playing soccer or volleyball, if you want to uh, keep your disc golf career alive, um, mm-hmm. then you can absolutely do that and still train for a marathon and you're not going to lose all that fitness that you're putting in elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all all that kind of general fitness stuff, whichever thing you want to do can have a place in marathon training as kind of your cross training day or your, maybe your recovery day, active Mm -hmm. recovery day. It depends how you want to use it. If you're like a power lifter, then I'm, I would probably tell you, you need to pick between that and running your first marathon, uh, (laughs) just for that six month period. Like just pick one of those and don't do both. But for most things you can adapt them to fit them into your program. Um, in my experience, as far as like losing other fitness goes, I think if you just only do easy runs, I think you can kind of get that runner's body where you just, you you don't, you know, your legs are strong and you have good endurance, but you don't look like you're in shape at all. And you're probably not able to do any sort of good functional lifts. Um, well, I found that like, even without a strength training component or a core work component, if you're doing speed work and hill work. I found that, that just it just works your mm-hmm. body and it just is it's not I'm not gonna call that a whole body exercise but I just find like I keep in shape in general fitness when I'm doing those things somehow they have a way of of working the rest of your body too uh, and you don't get that whatever that runner's body is that people don't want yeah agreed good all right moving on well so we have a ton of other questions but I think before we kind of go to lightning round with these. Mm-hmm. more specific questions we should uh pause for a second to thank our sponsor okay this episode of nomad athlete radio was brought to you by health iq the life insurance agency that advocates for the vegan and health conscious lifestyles matt you'd say you're a pretty healthy guy right these days Doug, i would say i'm very healthy yes that's that's great to hear what do you think the top three healthiest habits that you have are Wow, Doug, you're putting me on the spot during an ad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, smoothie, definitely one of them. I don't care what you say about smoothies. For me, that is one of my healthiest habits for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put the my diet. Just plant-based diet in general is is just this sort of, uh, you know, trump card that I have in my pocket that I can just, that I just have at any time. Got mm-hmm. that? Uh, and then I... I this was missing for a long time, but recently exercise has become a healthy habit, and I, try, I get something done pretty much every single day, uh, whether it's running or Muay Thai or weightlifting. Yeah, I would, I would, if I was going to pick three for you, those would probably be one of the t- <laughs> at least diet and smoothie. Health diet, <laughs> no, and smoothie, yeah, and, and it's probably the same or similar to me. And you know what? That is the exact type of thing that Health IQ is looking for. Health IQ is a life insurance agency who understands the benefits of a healthy lifestyle and rewards us for the lower risk of cancer, heart disease, and early death. And they unapologetically advocate directly for health-conscious people to receive financial rewards when it comes to life insurance. Head over to healthiq.com nomeat, all one word, 
to learn more on all sorts of ways you can save money on life insurance. That's healthiq.com slash no meat. Okay, so our next question is one that uh, when I read it hit home for me because it sounds exactly like me, as I alluded to earlier in this episode. It's from Robert, and he says, I get bored right around the 10-mile mark and want to start doing other things. Does that mean I'm not a true runner? How do you keep from getting bored on long runs? Hmm. So I don't think it matters at all whether you're a true runner. Like, who cares about that? I mean, it's just a, it's just a label. And, right, it matters, I guess, if you're a true vegan, that has a lot more meaning to it because there's an ethical component to it. Um, but who cares if you're a true runner or not? I don't, I don't know if I am. In many ways, I'm not a true runner. But I managed to accomplish a whole lot of running things, including the Boston Marathon qualifying which just took me so much work and was such a night and day difference in the the whatever i was if you're not gonna call it a runner <laughs> from my first marathon to that marathon um and even there though i just i still in that starting corral when i would look around me i felt like these people here are very different from me like for the most part these people here whose running is their passion and their hobby and they take so much joy from just running and i was like i, I feel like i'm sort of a tourist who's just here like for the challenge it provides and f- because it's this outlet for trying to do something that I thought seemed impossible. Uh, and the same thing with 100 miler and 50 milers. Those seemed like they were impossible things and they really juiced me to like think about doing them and training for them. But I never felt like running was like the thing that gave me life and that I needed to have in my day or else I'd be grumpy. I mean, in many ways it was the opposite. If I could get a day off or during tapering time when every other runner is complaining about how hard it is to taper, I, I just loved it. So this is great. I'm training for marathon. I don't even have to be doing any running. I'm just get to hang out. So, um, yeah, I just, I just would not worry about that part. If, if it is exciting to you to run a marathon or to run a half marathon or an ultra or whatever, then who cares if you're a true runner? Like you can, you can not be a runner and just still do those things. Uh, so yeah, boredom, as I said, is my huge thing that, that stops me, makes me want to come in and stop running. Um, and yes, it, it is around the 10 mile mark. If that is you, like there's a few different things you could do. I actually, I didn't do this myself, but I looked into it um, and and seriously considered it. And I think it would make sense. Do you, Doug, you know those Hanson Brothers program? Do you remember that thing? Yes. Hanson not, Plan, maybe? Not the not the Umbap. Not those Hanson Brothers. No, no, you're right. Probably not called the Hanson Brothers, but maybe just the <laughs> no, Hanson Plan. Think so. <laughs> no, yes, not that. I know it's yeah. um, anyway, that that is like, I think their philosophy was that remove the long runs. And I'm not sure what the reasoning was, if it was to make you not get bored, but that seemed like a nice side effect. You you remove <laughs> the long runs and you just do more, more or less the same mileage. You just spread that mileage out over your weekly run. So in a, in a week, you're running the same mileage as you would. You're just not doing 10 plus, or I mean, you do a few 10 plus, but you're not doing 18, 20 mile runs on a Saturday. And for me, and for someone like Robert, who asked this question, like that actually really helps because there's not total time in the week running that is boring. It's once I'm out there beyond an hour, I listen to one podcast or listen to whatever, or just enjoy the, the I don't know if it's a runner's high, but whatever the, the, you know, sort of meditative effect you get from running, you enjoy that for a while. And then, and then you hit this boredom wall when suddenly it just, you just hate being out there. So if I could spread all the weekly mileage into runs that don't really exceed that boredom threshold by very much, then that's great. That works great for me. So that's one suggestion. Check out a plan like that, that has less emphasis on long runs and more spreads the mile the mileage out over the week um but the other thing is you can actually use that long run or other running time uh 
for lots of other purposes. I mean, you could, you could, I mentioned being meditative. Like you could, if that was your thing, you can do it like that. Uh, and I've gone through phases where I focus on breathing a whole lot, which by the way, was another question. I'm not going to do that one directly, but someone asked about, she just said she has trouble breathing in, in general. Uh, I went for like several months just breathing through my nose, keep my mouth shut, breathing through my nose. And it was really hard at first. And then your body adjusts to it. And it turns out it's not a horrible idea for distance running to do that all the time. Uh, but that brought with it this, you know, more meditative kind of relaxation thing and got me all into that. And I viewed my runs as my chance to go like, just be alone. And I didn't want to listen to anything during that time because I liked how I wasn't. Uh, at other times though, I will, my running time is my listen to podcast time because I don't really get that without a commute. And what, especially when you've got kids, uh, it's really nice to get out for an hour that's just yours and to be able to listen to the thing that you want to that you otherwise just don't find the time to listen to. Uh, it's also very hard to listen to things like, you know, if you try putting on podcasts or videos while you're sitting at your desk, like for me at least, I will end up, the hour will pass and I will have heard none of what I had on while I was working because I'm doing something else and I just get distracted too easily. But when you're running, there's not really much to distract you. So I don't know. You can you can use it for all kinds of different things. It could be listening to fiction things. It could be listening to how-to audiobook type things. It could be podcasts. Um, but there's there are things you can do with that time. And it for me, when I was in the in the rhythm of doing that all the time, it felt like that hour of running time that I was spending was like the most valuable, most enjoyable hour of my day, uh, just because I was making good use of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just some other kind of quick ones is trail running to me is way more entertaining and I have, I can do that a lot longer. That's just for me. It might not be for everybody, but, um, you know, I can, I can be out there for way longer than I can on the road without getting bored. Um, and then running with friends, like having a, a standing, yeah. I have two standing running dates a week, um, with different friends. And that like, just, it's huge for giving me a mental boost on days that I'm not, when I'm not with anybody. Um, because I really like those days too, and I have the solitude. But mm-hmm. having somebody to run with is just a really good accountability partner. But also, I you know we have a lot of fun. Yeah, the ten mile ten mile distance is a great example for me because if I I just remember ten milers I've done with friends, and they pass as if you had done a three mile run by yourself. Whereas mm-hmm. if, for me, at the, just that boredom issue, if I go out for ten miles, it just seems like that is a long way to go on your own, and it's really boring. Uh, but somehow with, with a friend, it just, it just really passes much, much better. So Mm -hmm. good. All right. This should be a pretty quick one. I think, uh, Shannon asks, she says the biggest thing holding her back is the expense. Mm -hmm. And she says, I know it's worth it, but my, you know, with my budget, it's hard to justify, uh, over a hundred dollars for a race. And then the travel to the race and all this stuff gets pricey. And the, you know, I guess the kind of truth is that the, the races are pretty expensive these days and mm-hmm. you know there's not a whole lot you can do about it i mean you can find local smaller races that are less expensive you know things like rock and rolls or i don't know big city marathons are going to be a lot more expensive because you know rock and roll marathons are are more corporate and then like big city ones you know because it is expensive to block off 26 miles of road um and uh, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of the trend that even 5Ks these days are like 40 bucks, which mm-hmm. is uh, absurd to me. Um, but that's just kind of the way it is. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, I think that it's just something you have to save for and kind of prepare for and be willing to 
bite the bullet a little, a little bit and, and know that you're going to have to buy a new pair of shoes probably. And you might buy some energy gels or something like that. And, and you're going to have to spend a little bit more than you want to on the race itself. Uh, if you want that, if you want that bigger race experience. And then the other thing I would say is like, you know, this is probably less satisfying. You don't get a medal. It's a lot harder on your own, but, um, I really like kind of self adventures that you do either by yourself or with your friend. Um, you find a route that you really want to run and you just kind of run a half marathon or a marathon that way. And, uh, you know, you still get that whole experience and it might, or at least part of the experience, you get the distance part, um, whether or not we have a finish line or not, but that's, that would be one way to do it for a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you mention like fat ass style ultras? I was reading other questions, but I don't think you did. No, I didn't. I mean, no. Uh, yeah. So like a lot of, I mean, that's what, a, that's an ultra, but you don't have to, you don't have to do the whole, do the whole ultra, right? You could, you could yeah, tweak, totally. tweak the course yourself and just uh -huh. run off. And I bet that there are fattest style shorter sure, runs. Sure, there are. And, and what that is, is like where, you know, a running club or just some random person uh, decides to kind of host an informal event where there's no registration fee, there's no aid stations, there's no, uh, you know, official finisher medal or anything like that. But, you know, basically it's like, hey, let's get together on this day and run a 50K and maybe everybody brings a jug of water and we set it out on the course so you have a little bit of aid station like that, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's not going to show up on official results, but, you know, it's there's a starting line and a finish line and it's timed. Maybe yeah, buy your watch. Take a selfie then. No one could argue that you did it. That's true. Put it, throw it up on Strava. I mean, you got it. You know, that, that's the beauty. Like... <laughs> Beauty with Strava is uh, you. Can, everybody can know that you covered that twenty six point two miles. <laughs> that's right, and that's why we do it. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what else? We we could do like a personal finance uh, section where we say give up your daily Starbucks, give up your weekend <laughs> wine. Yeah, but we probably shouldn't do that. You know what we should do, Doug? We should maybe we should do with Oprah and send Shannon a free uh, oh, marathon I Love that idea. Just making dreams come true. Oh but we're not going to pay for her race, but we'll do that, and that will at least nudge, <laughs> nudge Shannon to do it. Because you can't have that and not do a marathon, right? Right. You can't get a free roadmap and <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're going to do that. Look at All us. All right, let's do it. You Shannon, get a roadmap. You get a roadmap. <laughs> no, actually, only Shannon gets. Only Shannon. <laughs> All right. Good. Uh, I got another one. This is. I had this feeling for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, this is Mari. M-A-R-R-I. I think that's Mari. The biggest thing from keeping me from running a marathon is my stamina. I feel as though I don't have enough energy to run for that long time span. I'm vegetarian, but maybe I don't eat enough. How many times a day do you eat and your portions? So I'm not going to answer those parts about how many times I eat and my portions, because I don't think that's the problem. Uh, you just eat when you're hungry, and just eat enough, and you'll be fine, and you can run a marathon. You, I mean, you've got to train, obviously. But I think... That's the point, right? You, you don't have the stamina when you start. Like, for me, what was exciting about a marathon, why I had to do it, was because I didn't understand how anybody could do that. It just seemed like 26 miles, like I would run for four miles. I remember I did a five-mile race in Philadelphia, and somehow there was a marathon going on at the same event. Not somehow. There was a marathon going on at the same event. And I remember the people just seeing them, like, somehow at the end of the five-mile was, like, right at mile 12 or something. And I just was like, I just can't imagine being there, having run two or three times as far as I've run, two and a half times as far as, far as I've just run with my five, and you're not even halfway done the race. You, you still are staring at that whole amount left, plus plus some. And I just, I thought, I don't know how you can possibly get in shape to do that. 
And after that, it was just so enticing to think about like, wow, but people actually do that somehow. And somehow you can train yourself to do that. And people say that, you know, it's not just elite athletes who can do that. Almost anyone can train themselves to do that. So that was the whole reason to do it. And that, that is the reason, right? You don't have enough energy to run for that long of a time span. You shouldn't, you probably don't have enough to run four or five miles if you're at the beginning. Um, but that's what you, what's amazing is that you can learn to do that by training your body to do it, by just teaching it to progressively do the distance you can do. And then, you know, progressing beyond that in, in increments, not, not jumping up to half marathon on day one, but gradually adding to what you can do. Uh, so that's fairly obvious, I hope, but I think there probably are a lot of people who have that feeling that like, they just don't know. It just seems like a superhuman thing to be able to run a marathon or an ultra, right? And once you've run a marathon, it's a hundred miles seems that way. And it turns out that you can train yourself to do that as well. So, um, one of the huge things that I had to understand was that running does not mean running fast. And because like in gym class and any running I'd done for sports teams growing up, like there's, when you run, when you're told to run by somebody, they don't want to see you slacking, right? They're, they're teaching you that they want you to get a workout in for whatever reason, whether it's just a gym or some good reason for you to get yourself in shape. Um, but training for distance races isn't that. Like most of your mileage, probably 80% of it, is supposed to be done at what's called a conversational pace, meaning it is so easy that you can carry on a conversation while you do it. And so if you're running four miles and it's completely you're completely out of breath by the end of that, uh, that's fine if that's a four-mile race that you ran, but that's not how your training runs should be. You need to slow down from whatever pace it is that puts you that far out of breath and, and completely exhausted by the end of it. Uh you need to slow down so that you can finish four miles and feel like perhaps feel more energy than when you started because it, you just energize yourself, but you didn't really uh, have to exert that much. Um, so I would suggest slowing down from what you currently do. Like slow down mm-hmm. and understand you're not going to run a marathon at nearly the pace that you currently run five miles, at least not anytime soon. Um, potentially with training, you would improve and, and get to the point where you could keep that pace up over the course of a marathon distance. But understand that with distance running, you're you're slowing down tremendously and once you do that, you can probably run, you know, however far you can currently run times two if you were to just completely go at a pace that allowed you to carry on a conversation the entire time. Yeah. Good. I think that's right. That's exactly right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think we should answer one more question to wrap up, and this was a good one to do to do that with. Okay. Uh, and maybe maybe you can even tackle it, but I'll read it and. Um, you can get it going. Okay. So this one's from Ryan, and this is an interesting one because Ryan has run several marathons before, um, but this it just recently went uh, went vegan, um, and he's training for his first Ironman on a vegan diet. Um, but his coach, so he has a coach, uh, but his coach is concerned that he's not going to get enough protein or iron. Ironman probably needs a lot of iron. Definitely. You know? Yep. <laughs> no, his coach is concerned he's not getting enough protein or iron. And so he's eating a lot of whole foods, uh, which make it difficult to, to track, you know, how much protein and stuff he's getting. So he's concerned he can't do it. And I think that a lot of people, whether they're training for their first marathon period or first marathon on a vegetarian or vegan diet are having the same concern. So why should people not be concerned about protein and iron or should they? Mm, Very hard. I mean, (laughs) hard to convince someone that they don't need to be concerned about that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the reason I can have a conviction that you'll be fine is that I've done it and I've been fine. 
But I understand that that's not at all convincing to someone because they might say, well, you're different than me. Your body's not mine. Um, so all, I mean, all I can really say is, is look at the examples out there of people who do it and look at how many successful ultra-distance athletes there are um, who choose plant-based diets because they say it helps them to, to do their thing. It helps them to, to do their to perform in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was kind of it. Like that was, I didn't know that it would work when I decided to make the switch, but then I started seeing that it did work for some people. Brendan Brazier was a great example. Ironman triathlete actually was a perfect example. Uh, and he found when he was in high school, he was looking around at what diet he wanted to be a pro triathlete. He decided that in high school and he started experimenting with different diets. And he found for him that plant-based and not just plant-based, but you know, really high energy food. He was very careful about his food choices. If you look at his book, Thrive, which is still a really, really great book, even though it was written now, I don't know, probably 12 years ago. Um, there's just tons of, of you, you can, I don't know, for me, reading that got me convinced at like, I was like, wow, this this really does make sense. This guy is has really thought about this a lot, and he is choosing this diet, and he has tested this diet, and it works for him, and it's what allowed him to get in more workouts than the competition, and he credits it with one of the reasons he was able to become a pro was because he had this dietary advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, not convincing for sure to everyone because it doesn't mean everyone's going to respond that way. But the fact that a lot of people do, uh, to me, is enough to to give it a try. So I don't know. I and this the other thing I get. I hear this question a lot. People used to well, when I used to do more Twitter, I would get the question that said, <laughs> "I want to go vegetarian or I want to go vegan, but I'm concerned that I'm going to lose muscle mass or that I'm going to not have energy for whatever I'm trying to do." Like I mean, I guess if you've signed up for your Ironman now and paid a thousand bucks or whatever they charge to do that, uh, then I guess there you have some sort of reason for why you can't, you know, might might be risking something to try it. But for those people on Twitter who would say that, I would just like, well, like, it's not like your life ends if something goes wrong and you lose muscle and you find it doesn't work for you or you find that, you know, you couldn't make it work with whatever you were willing to do or try. Uh you know, you, you learn about it and then you're fine. So what I would say to, now, Ryan, if, if Ryan is noticing that he has iron deficiency and is wondering how you fix it on a plant-based diet, that's a whole different thing. Uh, cause then, then you can really look into that problem or finding that he's not having enough protein and not recovering from his workouts. You know, that's something to, to address or make the decision that this diet isn't for you. If that's, if that's how you want to handle that. But as far as like, I'm worried it's not going to work for it. Yeah, you just you don't know until you try. And for me, when I tried, yeah. I got faster, and it did work. And for a lot of people, that is the case. So, I, mm-hmm. I think what you do is try it, and then you observe how it's working for you, and then you decide whether you're going to tweak it or stop doing it or or what. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it really matters too much about like convincing someone that it will work, because really you just need to try and see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and chances are, if he's eating a well balanced whole food diet, then he's probably getting plenty of protein and probably plenty of iron. Um, unless there's some indicators that he's not, you know, and he could get his blood work done and, and kind of see where he is with, with that. Um, you know, but the other thing I would say is like, if you're in the middle of training and you're concerned about it and it's going to put you at ease, then supplement, you know, do mm-hmm. a protein, do a protein shake in the morning, do uh, take an iron supplement, um, you know, in the short term and, you know, maybe in the long term too, like that's not a bad thing. Um, to do. And, and if it puts your mind at ease and allows you to get through this training, um, then, you know, I don't see any anything wrong with that. Yep, I agree. And I think that is so much easier to convince someone of that than 
just to accept on faith or even based no matter how much science or people will read about plant-based diets there's mm-hmm. still just that that because it's it is hammered into us that we need protein from meat right like so like no amount of or very almost no amount of logical rational argument or evidence is going to convince you that what you've been told all your life by your parents and all these people that you trusted uh actually isn't correct so yeah. i don't really try to convince people that you know a plant-based diet gives you all the protein it does now it does I think, it, I think it gives you the right <laughs> amount. I don't think you want... I think really a lot of protein is uh-huh. dangerous in a lot of ways. Not just like the short-term kidney stuff people talk about, but long-term risks of eating animal protein, they they are there. So mm. I know that's not the same as short-term performance, but if that's a concern to you, then like, the, like you said, Doug, just take a supplement. I don't think you need it, but I think really the way to get yourself to... For me, the way to get to eating a whole food plant-based diet and not having protein powder was to first have a whole food plant-based diet and have protein powder. With protein, yeah. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. I, I don't, and looking back, I don't think it did anything for me, but it gave me the confidence. Like you said, it gave me the confidence and peace of mind to keep doing this, and then eventually, once I had done this for several years, I said, okay, I'm just going to try not buying the protein powder again and see how it goes. And that actually was when I was training for my 100-miler, and it all worked out fine, and I haven't had protein powder since then, regularly anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very hard. I mean... Everyone has that question, not necessarily about iron, but everyone has the question about, about protein. And you just got to decide if it is important enough to you to try it, despite your coach's advice, uh, and make whatever arrangements you need to, to to get the amount that seems like it will make you feel confident. Uh, and then and then you will be giving it a try. And that's that is uh, you will probably find success with it, I think. Um but if not, you can then decide to tweak it or go back to the old way. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. All right. All right. Well, I think we, I think that's a good representation of, of the questions here. We obviously didn't cover all of them, but uh, I think that that hits on a lot of the topics and themes that people are asking. Yeah. When you do these kind of things and ask a large number of people their questions, it, I mean, the questions are remarkably similar to each other, and the same issues come up over and over, and you have five or six things that everybody's asking. Obviously, there's some specific things that would be only applicable to the people who ask them. Um, but for the most part, you know, that's, that is a lot of the main concerns. Yeah. And if this inspires you to run a marathon, what, is, what should people do? <laughs> they should write in a question that says their budget can't afford running a marathon <laughs> and then <laughs> ship out free roadmaps. No. Uh, no, you should go check it out. It's at nomadathlete.com slash roadmap. And it is currently, I don't know when you will be listening to this episode, but uh, at the time we're recording it, it is $20 off the usual price of it, uh, just yep. as a way of celebrating this big relaunch. And what's cool about this relaunch thing that not everybody knows, or probably nobody knows, is, first of all, Marathon Roadmap, it used to be a separate product from a half marathon roadmap and 5K roadmap, but we have lumped all those things in together, so now it's sort of a system that will take you from, and honestly, it comes with a Get Started With Running audio series that I recorded. So you can listen, talk about being bored on long runs, now you can listen to me for two hours talking <laughs> about getting started with running. Uh huh. Um, but anyway, that it will. It so basically walks you from being a brand new runner up to marathon distance. But then what we added this time was Run Your BQ, which is the program, advanced marathon training program I did with Jason Fitzgerald for many years. We've added the the content of that. Obviously, there's not you know, get live Q and As that come with that sort of thing. But we've added all the content, this advanced marathon training plan there, uh, and that that is you know designed to get you from that first marathon finish line to qualifying for Boston, which for most people takes a lot of additional work 
uh, and several other marathons. But that's what that's what RunnerBQ is designed or is designed to do. So anyway, there's a ton of stuff in there now. We added some new meal plans uh, just to the general marathon roadmap. There's lots of videos in there where I, you know, have a, a little check-in each week of an 18-week training program. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots of guest interviews with people like Brendan Brazier, who I mentioned earlier, Rich Roll, um, many other, you know, endurance experts, you would say. And I mm-hmm. believe all of them who are on there eat plant-based diets. Jason Fitzgerald, is he a, do we have him as an interview? At least some of his stuff comes with the run your BQ thing. So he's not, he's not vegetarian or vegan, but, uh, he's got some really great running stuff cause he's a running coach as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, it's, it's, it is our very best possible effort at giving you everything you possibly need to run a marathon. And it turns out much more than that. Uh, on a plant-based diet. So check it out, nomadathlete.com slash roadmap. Save 20 bucks during the next few days. Yep. By um, Monday, so right? The end of, yeah, Monday at midnight. Monday, the, uh, February 18th mm-hmm. at midnight is when that sale ends. Gotcha. Good. All right. Well, I hope someone found this helpful. Um, I, I really, I think marathon training, I mean, it's, everyone does marathons these days, right? We have the sense that like it's this popular thing, that it's it's a trend that everyone runs marathons now um but it is just such a, a powerful thing and this is i mean i don't care this is not a roadmap ad anymore i know it was a minute ago <laughs> <laughs> this this i don't care what book you use i don't care what coach you have like if if something about running a marathon is exciting to you and you think wow that would be really cool to be able to do that or i can't believe people can do that what if i could do that uh it is so worth finding a way to get it done it just it just i think for me it when i decided to do that in college uh, not being a runner at all, not having any experience with running, it it was just basically I didn't realize it, but it was choosing a different life path for myself. And and ever since then, like I've been a fitness guy, and I wasn't before that. It was just I did a little bit of weightlifting in college before that, but it wasn't at all my thing. And I was never like an in shape guy or someone who knew about fitness. I just I just wasn't. Uh, so it was I didn't really know it. I didn't know that it would send me down this qualify for Boston path. I didn't know that that would lead me to becoming vegetarian and then vegan and starting nomad athlete. But it, I mean, my entire life changed in that one drunken night in college when we decided we were going to run a marathon. So uh, hopefully you can do it in a non-drunken state and decide that it's that you're going to find a way to do it because it is really it can be life changing for a lot of people. It is, and it's just a great experience. It, it just comes with a lot of really cool stuff. I second that 100%. And my story is remarkably similar, similar to yours. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go down the BQ route. I went down the ultra marathon route. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, drunkenly, drunken <laughs> night, signed up for a, a marathon. And it completely changed my life. I mean, it, it, you know, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing I've done aside from maybe meeting my wife mm-hmm. that has changed my life more than signing, for the mar- signing up for the marathon. There you go. I wonder how many marathons get signed up for uh, with alcohol involved. <laughs> I bet that for it's a lot. It, it, if you look at the, if you pulled, you know, 20 something males that sign up for marathons, I bet it's a lot. So not to say that alcohol is, is uh, recommended for everyone or anyone, <laughs> but find some sort of judgment impairing tool that you can do <laughs> yeah. and then sign up for your marathon. And chances are, you'll be glad that you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, but I get that. It's, that's why it's hard. It's scary to it's, make right, that right, commitment. Right. right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, get some, get some friend to peer pressure into it. Yes, that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hopefully this helped. Hopefully somebody will sign up for a marathon because of it. If they I do, hope so. work is done. Yep, absolutely. All right. Good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. All right. Bye.